does God really live within his people? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hear of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian DeBozik, and with me as always is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, today we're talking about the doctrine of the temple of the Holy Spirit, about God living within us. So this is one where I think we hear it so often, especially those who have been around the church. If you're newer to the church, then maybe not, but those like me who grew up around the church especially, you hear this so often, and, and it's one of those things I wonder, do people start taking it for granted and not really understand what this means, how it works? What does it mean for God to indwell His people? Specifically, God the Holy Spirit we're going to be talking about today um, in this. So I, I hope this is going to be a helpful episode for, for some people. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, if if nothing else, it, it's it's at least going to help them make sense of the the cultural references that this doctrine has actually has actually had the impact that it's had. Because I yes. mean, you still hear yeah. people talk about their bodies as temples, and so now normally they're using it as a way to either yes. I, they're doing it ironically because I'm of expanding the temple or. Um, they it's a are, building expansion project. Uh, hey, you know, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. you got to take care of all this. Um, you know, <laughs> um, so anyway, this is the this is the doctrine uh, that that we're talking about. When we talk about the whole temple of the Holy Spirit, here it is: the Holy Spirit indwells the church, both individually and corporately. As the temple of the Holy Spirit, we live our lives differently than before, bearing the virtuous fruit that comes only by the indwelling work of the Spirit. This indwelling work of the Spirit also equips individual members of the church with gifts for the work of the ministry. So, nice, tight, short description here, but let's simplify that a little bit more. This is about the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So God, the Holy Spirit, indwells us as his people as a fulfillment of him. And that, of course, being the, the Old temple. Testament temple, which is this picture of, of God dwelling with his people. So if yes. we go back to Old Testament Israel, we know it started as the tabernacle, and then that was replaced by the temple. The mm-hmm. temple was destroyed and rebuilt. Um, and so here it's this idea of that's where God symbolically dwelled with his people. It was at the center of the camp, heavy symbolism there, had the Holy of Holies, the innermost chamber where God's presence was over the ark. Um, and then the high priest could only enter in, you know, one day a year and so forth. And so all that imagery of the temple yeah. was, one of the big ideas was God with his people. But now there's no physical temple because yeah. we are, his people have become the temple. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's also, um, and so that's the corporate sense. Um, there's yes. the individual sense as well. I mean, all through the Old Testament, we see uh, the Spirit coming and resting upon the people or, or empowering the people or people being filled with the Spirit. And you see that language multiple times throughout the Scripture, but you also see the Spirit depart from. So think about um, King Saul, for example. Uh, when he was anointed, uh, the spirit, the spirit came upon him, and the spirit was with him. 
and then as he as he sinned and reject and ultimately rejected uh, God's commands, despite never verbally rejecting God Himself. Yes. Um, so actions matter, everybody. As he rejected God on a very practical level through his disobedience, we saw that the Spirit was removed from him, and so there's this there is this uh, this temporariness that we see in the in the Old Testament yeah. that ultimately leads to its fulfillment in this permanent presence of the Spirit. Yeah, and that in temporary and permanent, we'll come back today. to it in a minute again, circle back to it, because that's such an important distinction here yeah. and benefit, to use a, a really soft word, of, of what it of follower, being a follower of Christ. Yes. So let's look at a, a few verses. We're going to look at four verses. One is going to illustrate where this idea of God's temple comes from. Another is going to remind us of the unity that it's, it's true of all mm-hmm. believers together. And then two functions that you mentioned in the uh, doctrine itself of the Spirit giving gifts and the Spirit producing fruit. So um, Aaron, why don't you just kind of walk us through all four real quickly, and then we'll just kind of talk about a little bit more of what indwelling yeah. means. Yeah, for sure. So here is this, uh, here's this first one. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and this one is super on the nose. Um, so Paul here writes, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy, and that Pretty is clear. what you are. That's really important right there because it goes back to yeah. one of our it goes back to our fundamental identity and our nature. We are holy because God has made us holy. Um, and because God lives in us, we are holy. Um, so next is First Corinthians twelve, verse thirteen. Uh, which says that we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we are all given one spirit to drink. So we there there is this sense of unity that comes uh, with uh, being the temple of the Holy Spirit. That as we are one, that we are made one body by the Spirit or in the Spirit. Uh, the next one is First uh, Corinthians twelve eleven. So backing up two verses. Um, which is one of the the uh, one of the two works that in our description uh, the spirit does, which is that he gives gifts, spiritual gifts for the purpose of ministry. Uh, so one and the same spirit is, is active in all of yeah. these. Um, that is all the parts of the body, distributing to each person as he wills. And then finally, um, uh, of course. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. We can't really talk about uh, anything that the Spirit does, really, without talking about this, which is the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit, as he dwells within us, produces fruit. And so we see this. The fruit of the Spirit is joy, or is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control and again and the law is not against such things. So these are these are really important things yeah. that we see and this just scratches the surface. I'm just even, wondering should I read anything into it that you just read right over love to begin with? I yeah. All right. I'm just Let's talk about that. cautions so, with no. understanding this doctrine or any any words. I've got two. I'll talk about those and then Aaron if you have any additional you can add those on. 
and I'll let you, I'll let you take us across the finish line of talking about yeah. the differences this doctrine should make. So the, the two um, just kind Sounds of great. extra words of explanation, if you will. The first one is that this indwelling we're talking about is only true of believers. Unbelievers do not have God's presence active dwelling within them as believers do. Um, God's presence is certainly active outside of them. Um, he is, is, you know, we wouldn't come to Christ apart from the Holy Spirit drawing us. So uh, convicting us of sin and so forth and, and God extending general grace to people. So it does not mean that God is not active in some way, shape, or form with unbelievers, but he is active differently with believers who have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And then the second thing is just to talk about, you mentioned this before, Aaron, the permanence of this indwelling. That is true of us in the church age. It was not true in the Old Testament. You'll come across passages again, like David, you know, asking that the Holy Spirit not be taken from him when he was confessing his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah. Um, and so he, you know, the Old Testament, it seemed like the Holy Spirit could come and go at times. In the New Testament, we know that his, this giving is permanent. So the question is, we also know about the concept of the filling of the Spirit. What does that mean in light of the undwelling? Well, filling, think of control. So the Spirit is present in my life always, but I wrestle control from Him at times in my sinfulness. And I try to control my own life. And basically, filling is not doing that. Filling is not trying to take control from the Spirit. It's letting Him have the control. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21 is the classic passage on this. And Paul begins with this, a word picture. I mean, it's, there's truth to it. Uh, we're not to get drunk, um, but it's also used here as a word picture. Don't get drunk with wine. What happens when that happens? That's redundant. <laughs> what happens when we do that? Well, we, we give control to the wine. We act like a knucklehead. That's one of the things about being drunk. You, you're not in control of your faculties. You don't do things or you do things you normally wouldn't do because you're not controlling yourself. That alcohol is. So don't get drunk with wine. Don't yield control that way. And then what Paul is saying is, let me turn that around to give you a, a, a word picture here, because that just leads to reckless living. That, that just, it's foolish. But be filled with the Spirit. So the contrast he's making, or the comparison, is just like alcohol would control a person, don't do that. Let the Spirit control you instead. So that's the idea of this filling here. And then he continues, this is what it looks like. If you're filled with the Spirit, you'll speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Christ. So you see, these are all hallmarks of the fruit that the Spirit would bring in your life if you're yielded to Him. So it's a matter of, of control that, that we, we see here. So we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit always as believers, but we don't always give him control. We take it from him. And so filling with the Spirit is giving control to him. It's confessing sin, confessing that we tried to steal that control, yielding it to him so that we're in a posture of him to work in us and through us. So I don't know if you had any other, other words of explanation to this idea or just wanted to take us to the differences. It's up to you. world is your oyster. Uh well, they're kind of a little bit of both. Um, so I'm just going to put it all in this difference. All right, I've made the official uh, note. This difference that it makes. Um, thank you. Thank you. So, I mean, 
Uh, one of the first things that it should make as a as a difference is that this should this should encourage us that God has given us all that we need to live faithfully and victoriously for Him um, in our lives. So there isn't that anything that is missing um, in order to be faithful as believers. Um, the uh, one of the other one of the other pieces here is is that. Um, we should also be encouraged by the fact that that God's Spirit is in us at all. Um, that's a big deal, and we shouldn't and we shouldn't um, we shouldn't overlook that. We there there is a sense of awe that should really come come from that. That it's like God God Himself, yeah, would live in me. That's that's a that's a mind blowing kind of thing, and that shapes how we live each day, because if we think about the fact that God is ever present with us, He's with us every single moment. If we are genuine believers, everything in everything we do, in everything we say, in everything we think, God is there, and we don't use that, and we don't need to think about that as um, as you know, the sense of God, God is with us and God is watching and God is wagging his finger and ready to strike us down. Um, remember the God of the Bible is not the God of, of Greek and Roman mythology. God is not Zeus who is petty and, uh, manipulative and often very wicked. Um, in other words, he's not a God like us. <laughs> um, and the kind of God that we would be if we were gods um, yeah. as human beings. Um, he's much better than us. Instead, when we think about God being with us and ever present with us in every situation and all at all moments and all the time, is that that means that we truly do have the power with us and literally within us that does not belong to us. Um, so notice that, notice that, that careful, careful bit there, Brian is uh, the world says you have everything you need within you um, to do whatever you want. The Bible says you have yes. everything you need within you because God gives it to you. <laughs> um, and it's also God. So, <laughs> um, but you are not God. Um, so that is, that's really good news for us. The last thing that I would say in terms of the difference is that this um, this should once again drive us toward a desire and and uh, a desire for and a and a working toward unity among all believers because the same spirit lives that lives in us lives in every single believer. That's the amazing thing about God's omnipresence and his and his all powerfulness. Yes. Um, he can do that. We cannot. Um, he is not constrained to one place. Um, and when we experience as believers, when we experience ongoing conflict, argument, and so forth, we need to be asking ourselves, is it because we're listening to ourselves rather than rather than the spirit? Or are we or are we genuinely fighting about yeah. something that the spirit is prompting us to to engage in. And very often it's because we're listening to ourselves and we want and we want yeah. what we want and we're not obeying the spirit. Instead, the spirit will give us 
guidance to fight for the things that are true in pursuit of so important because the spirit would not be in conflict with himself so you know if if you have two believers who are arguing about something and and really in an in an unhelpful ungodly unloving way that's evidence they're not they're not at least one of them perhaps probably both are not being guided by the spirit in that because the spirit's not going to argue with himself he's not going to fight with himself and disagree with himself. He's going to pursue unity. So that's a good mark there. All right. Well, thanks for uh, that explanation at the end, Aaron. Thank you for the few caveats you threw in there. We were in a caveat deficiency on this episode, but you you caught us up near the end. So we got our quota. So thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate it. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode today. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.